Good morning, everyone. It's Harry here with another episode of A Few Things Considered, number 17 in the catalog. And once again, I apologize for the long hiatus since the last episode, since I'm doing that every time now. But my body ecosphere has been somewhat volatile and chronic fatigue, headaches, body aches, some flu-like symptoms, and yet another trip to the COVID testing emporium, racking up more points on my rewards card. Dad is back in the hospital. Mom's prepping for a 16-day radiation series. And uh, one of her dogs is pretty sick. Doesn't look promising. So I hope you and your family are better. Uh, Seems like my family's on trial for our mortality. Nothing immediately threatening. We're pretty tough, but uh, just a little memento mori. The Grim Reaper popping up. Hey, don't forget me now. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. So what was supposed to follow here was an episode on an entirely different topic, a, uh, a different thing considered. But as I worked on it, it became more and more like that thread of pork that gets stuck in your teeth. You jab at it with your tongue, then a toothpick. You floss until your gums look like a crime scene. Well, I couldn't get that pork out. And the inspiration for that episode came in a flash, just like the others, as usual. Flurry of first impressions, associated ideas. Let it relax for a day. Let the unconscious batter around. Next day, nothing. Day after, nothing. False labor. It just wasn't time to be born. That's the nature of the creative pursuit. Can't complain about it. Sometimes a project feels right, right up until it doesn't. But, you know, you don't kill your darlings, as Stephen King suggests. You just put them away for another time. And just because it's not working today doesn't mean it never will. Um, New hunters and fishermen know this. So, to this episode... And it's not a consolation episode. It's not some hollow plastic participation trophy. You know, you sucked at it, but at least you showed up. Here's this piece of crap for you. This was one of my original ideas when I started back in March. But I knew then that this was an episode for later down the road. Well, we're later down the road. The original idea for the podcast was a journal of the coronavirus, you know, everyday life during the pandemic. But after one week of furlough, it became abundantly clear that these days would be stunningly redundant and many episodes would go something like this. Good morning, noon, or night. Same shit as last week. Thanks for listening. And it would have been easy, but still, it would have been a participation trophy, you know. So after a week of a furlough, on March 22nd, 2020, I laid down a list of 10 predictions. 10 predictions of what this pandemic would bring. Now, 9 seemed too few and 11 seemed to reach. And at some later time, I'd hold each prediction up to the light and I'd grade them A through F. You know, prophet or, or fool, seer, buffoon. And, and I'll start with the most important one. Prediction number one. Fewer planned babies more unplanned babies. And I'll start with the second part part first, more unplanned babies. Data-wise, there's not much to go on. The research is limited, but generally there hasn't been more unplanned babies. So I'm off to a bad start. I got this wrong. My thinking was, you know, hey, what now? You know, we've exhausted our normal spare time activities. 
and it's only noon. We'll stare at the wall for a bit. Hey, what about humping? That could be some fun. Break up this monotony. Well, what I didn't take into account is that fear and stress, anxiety, depression are not aphrodisiacs. They play no role in foreplay. I should have seen that. But fewer planned babies crush that. Fertility experts, demographic experts, all the research. Four to 500,000 fewer planned pregnancies between March 2020 and March 2021. And of all these predictions, this is the saddest one to me. Uh, of course, you know, I didn't predict a death count. That would have been sadder, but this one's the saddest one. Fewer planned pregnancies. Tens of thousands of women, and not isolated cases, tens of thousands of women put off starting a family till their early 30s. They got their educations, found the right husbands, worked to save up money. Then the pandemic hits. And is it safe to carry a baby to term in this health-compromised environment? Uh, this baby doesn't even have an immune system. It's sharing mine. If I contract the virus, what about the baby? What will the long-term effects be, assuming we survive the short term? What if my husband gets laid off? What if I have to go back to work, assuming my job is still there? My company's laying off 500 employees. Why would they retain someone who's going to gobble up sick days taking care of her coughing baby? Uh, is the hospital even going to be safe for birthing with all these COVID cases roaming the halls? Uh, will they allow my husband or my loved ones or my mother uh, into the birthing room or am I on my own in there? And, and then there's the women rounding out their families with a second or third child. Tens of thousands of them too. Pregnancy postponed or canceled altogether. Same health and financial concerns as the first time mothers, but now I'm 33. I can wait till I'm 35, but the incidence of birth defects rises dramatically after 35. So maybe we should just stick with what we have, make sure they're safe. And another episode in the plight of women. Uh, plight makes it sound universally horrifying, the plight of women. Uh, they have some advantages too. But when things starting start heading south, it seems women catch the brunt of it. Just like in the pandemic they have. And, well, here's the shit into the stick yet again. <laughs> the sh they, yeah, the, the shit into the stick yet again. Yeah, I wonder where that came from, shit into the stick. Some guy j just happened upon a stick. Damn, this end looks like it's got shit on it. This other end looks like a bowl of Kit Kats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a woman. You get this in. I'll take the Kit Kat in. Uh, sorry, you're not getting the Kit Kats. Be happy with your smaller wages, your smaller opportunities, and the shit end of this stick. And before I give my grade, you know, a little disclaimer. Uh, birth rates have been declining for decades now. This was a huge problem before the pandemic. And increasing life expectancy at the same time. Declining birth rates, increasing life expectancy. You don't have to be a Nobel laureate in economics to see the problem here. The Social Security account. Many more debits than credits. That box is going to empty out pretty damn quickly. And the main uh, cause is because the American elderly won't exercise their patriotic duty of dropping debt at 70. It's just more selfish, entitled baby boomers. The politicians aren't going to address this because they know we don't tolerate bad news. We don't want to, we don't want them to troubleshoot our problems. 
We want them to dance and sing and, and fling poo across the aisle at each other. We want uh, we want Zippy the two-headed clown or a failed reality show star. And anyway, sorry for the digression. My prediction, my grade for prediction one, and I'm a fair grader, neither lenient nor harsh. B minus. And prediction number two, the incidences of domestic violence will increase. More of women not getting the Kit Kat into the stick. And, and now the experts have changed some more terminology on us. Domestic violence is now intimate partner violence. I think most people would have predicted more intimate partner violence, more drinking, more drugs, more, uh, more stress, more anxiety, more isolation, more violence. Mostly perpetrated by men, although women are catching up. Women are starting to beat the hell out of their intimate partners in greater numbers. But my thinking was men are going to lose their jobs. They're going to feel emasculated. Uh, being the primary breadwinner is their empowerment. That's gone. I'll exert my authority this way. Sounds likely to me. But in the first six months, emergency hotlines and other emergency services for victims of intimate partner violence reported a decrease in calls for help. So all the experts who predicted, as I did, were wrong. Well, not really. We just had to wait for the data. The Journal of Medical Internet Research employed a team of researchers to scour social media posts for signs of unreported cases. And those researchers found an alarming increase in social media posts that were indicative of unreported incidences of abuse. And because of the pandemic, abuse shelters became very selective on who they let in based on the level of danger the women were in. So victims were now isolated with their abusers and they often had nowhere to turn. So they went to social media. Social media gave them the cloak of anonymity. And then emergency rooms began reporting higher levels of suspected intimate partner violence. More arms broken by a twisting motion. And no virus does that. But just like the first prediction, the data is incomplete and somewhat scattered. So I'm going to give myself a B. The existing evidence supports my prediction. But if I faced the beyond a reasonable doubt standard, I'd probably get a hung jury. You know, there there's, would be one self-justifying intimate partner beating holdout. Uh, prediction three. And this was another seeming no-brainer. The suicide rate will increase. And for this one, I required a significant increase because the suicide rate has increased steadily over the last 40 years. So any increase within the standard deviation, I would have to conclude the pandemic had little effect or none at all. And like the babies and the intimate partner violence, the data is incomplete. I've yet to see a suicide note screenshotted. <laughs> Screensh yeah, screenshotted. I guess that's the word. Word didn't, uh, didn't red light it for me. Anyway, I've yet to see a note screenshotted on social media. This pandemic really blows. The masks, the social distancing, lockdowns, quarantines. I didn't come out of a cozy warm, warm moon for this. This isn't part of the social contract. Peace out. Had there been such a note, CNN would have been all over it. 
because they like to treat outliers as the norm. One fantastic suicide gets more screen time than a run-of-the-mill vanilla pudding genocide. So as to suicides, I'll say I missed. But I'll take a D, cut myself a little slack. The pandemic is ongoing. And there are still plenty of men with crappy marriages, crappy jobs, crappy outlooks, and well-functioning firearms. Prediction four. Healthcare systems are woefully unprepared. Now, remember I said this on March 22nd. This wasn't a jab at the the quality of the doctors and nurses in our country. I think very highly of the competence of these people, especially as, as they've done me lately very well. And their performances over the course of the pandemic have proven me right on that. But it's the structure of our system that I thought would fail us. Life and death on the profit motive. For-profit hospitals are not laying out the requisite monetary investment for a public health crisis that has staying power. For-profit hospitals are set up to handle the medical issues they see on a daily basis and probably equipped to handle you know, a minor unexpected health emergency, but not a catastrophe. Infectious de- disease experts, doctors, other scientists, they've all been ringing the bell for decades. The greatest threat to America is not terrorists or serial killers or international cyber, cyber criminals. It's infectious disease. And how do they know this? Because infectious disease has always been the greatest threat to humanity. Wars, heart failure, cancer, suicide, combine them all. They're nowhere near the killer infectious disease has been. Bubonic plague, smallpox, malaria. And armed with this information, President Obama tasked these experts with devising a comprehensive plan to protect the country in the event of an infectious disease outbreak. And Donald Trump threw out the plan because Obama's black and Obama gigged him at a White House press, White House correspondence dinner. Not only did these experts alert us to infectious disease, they pointed out that a virus attacking the respiratory system or the central nervous system would be especially deadly. So, because a man's feelings were hurt, we had inadequate stockpiles of protective gear, incubators, we had virtually no triage protocols in place, and no plans for overflow. And too many life and death decisions made on the fly. We winged it without enough time to consider adverse consequences. But for the uh, skill and dedication of our healthcare workers, death toll would, would be much higher. And, and it's not just the hospitals, that's not the only part of our healthcare system. Wherever the profit motive is acceptable, as it is in our healthcare system, there's going to be charlatans. When every aspect of our lives is viewed through the lens of money grubbing, Send in the con, man. He's coming. Phony cures, false claims. There's a hefty profit taking advantage of the frightened. And the snake oils of the pandemic? Remdesivir, hydroxychloroquine, quinine, essential oils, herbal teas, household disinfectants, and the cure-all of our times, CBD. And all of this bullshit comprises the fringe element of our healthcare system. And the con men are virtually immune from penalty once they know the secret password. I am not a doctor, and these claims have not been approved by the FBA, the FBI, the FDA. 
So buyer fucking beware. There, I let it out. The secret password. All you need to remember for your days at the Conman Polytechnical Institute. These cons and our belief in them strain an already burdened science-based healthcare system. So as to prediction four, I'm going to take an A-. minus. Body bags, 18-wheelers decked out as makeshift morgues, half a million dead. I would say our healthcare system was woefully unprepared. Prediction five, we will become more divided politically, economically, and culturally. And truthfully, I didn't want to disclose this one. It's kind of sophomoric. It's a kind of a 10th grade argument. And it's, it's embarrassing. And it's measurable only anecdotally. Although all the anti-hate brigades have measured an increase in online hate speech. For me, that's just an increase in the speaking of it, not an increase in the amount of hate. Now, the hate was already there. Uh, politicians used the pandemic to stir up the hate that was already there. If not for the pandemic, they would have found something else. Some more, some more imaginary pedophile rings operating out of pizza parlors. Or, or Biden is really Obama in whiteface. The commie Dems are coming for your guns. The political divide would have increased no matter what. The pandemic actually gave us a chance at unity. Uh, and the economic and cultural divides, same thing. Pandemic or not, it would have gotten worse. And the war between old school and progress has millennia of history, and ours is just another minor, minor battle. And so I'm going to take a, a very generous, self-pitying D minus. The pandemic has had no effect on our divide. Prediction six: There will be a colossal failure of leadership in America. And, and I looked at the notes I made on March 22nd the day I made these predictions, because this one seems the most self-serving in hindsight. Look how clever I am. But in my notes, I didn't specifically point out an ill-equipped president or do-nothing Congress. I mean, they would play their roles. My issue is with the political structure and philosophy unique to America. Our political philosophy and political structure make it difficult to handle problems of scale, problems of of epic proportion. You know, our political power is decentralized. It's hard to lead from the center. Yeah, it's shared. The political power is shared with states, counties, uh, municipalities. The busybody creeps at the homeowners associations, and you know we all say yes, the leader would have checks and balances too. Uh, but anyway, we've always been suspicious of a distant power, especially when they can tax us. Uh, look at the War of American Independence, the Revolutionary War. Americans fighting to prevent taxation by a distant power. The Civil War. Southern states fighting a distant power's attempt to regulate their business model. The Great Depression. President Herbert Hoover believed in decentralized power. The states will take care of it or the markets will correct a depression. And that didn't happen either. It, didn't, it took FDR bludgeoning the depression to get, you know, get things going again. Uh, but since FDR, the Republicans have successfully pared back centralized powers. Eisenhower did it. Reagan did it. And now we have our most recent former president. And he performed as he has most of his life, badly. Uh, his senior advisor, Steve Bannon, once boasted that his goal is the complete destruction of the administrative state. And when a pandemic comes, you need an administrative state. But so we had a president who wouldn't wield the power he had. He had federal mask mandate, social distance requirements, soft lockdowns, 
all would have helped. And he could have gone to the governor to sell it, too. He could have gone to the governor's for cooperation. Just some good old LBJ, old school arm twisting. You know that gas pipeline running through your state? I might have to rescind the permit until more environmental impact studies are done. When you're up for your re-election again, you play ball and I've got your back. It's just, it's one man's extortion is another man's encouragement. And he didn't do any of this. He relied on local leaders to fix a national problem. And instead of hiring experts to advise him, he relied on cronies and yes men. He preyed on our preference of superstition over science. And, you know, enough of him. Whole libraries are going to be written about his failures in the pandemic and, and everything else. And historians are going to call him a murderer. So as for my prediction, a colossal failure of leadership, I'm giving myself an A. And I'm going to drink a smoothie with no kale or eggplant. Prediction seven, the pandemic will be worse in America than any other country. And this isn't just player hating. <laughs> there are actually uh, some correlations and causalities with this prediction in the last one, you know, the, the cost of failure of leadership. But this is the other side of the coin. The fact that it's going to be worse in America is about us, the followers. Our government is pretty much non-authoritarian. We're not going to allow them to tell us what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm an American. Except for my wife or my husband, the boss. Oh, yeah, my dog, my cat, the crossing guard, the club foot, stoplight, stop sign. Other than them, I have complete autonomy. I hold the nuclear codes of my free will. I have rights. They can't make me wear a mask. They can't make me social distance. They can't close my bar. What about the 21st Amendment? The Drink Up Johnny Amendment? How can I get shit-faced if I'm wearing a mask? And I can't social distance, gotta have a drinking buddy. Drinking alone is a training ground for psychopaths. Nope, I have rights. I don't have responsibilities. We just don't have the discipline to sacrifice. We are entitled to not sacrifice. And there's an old adage about our rights, and it's attributed, I think, to Oliver Wendell Holmes, or one of the Supreme Court justices, uh, though I imagine they plagiarized it from some nobody, because, you know, you do that when your name's on the marquee. You got a license plagiarize. But anyway, the adage is the right to swing my arms wildly ends at the tip of your nose. And there's the problem here. Your aerosols won't end at the tip of my nose. So if only these pesky aerosols knew the law, this contagion would be the stuff of science fiction rather than the stuff of nonfiction, lockdowns, and preventable deaths. Here's some data that should really embarrass us. Make us fly a different country's flag on our F-150s. America represents not even 5% of the world's population. Yet its coronavirus cases represent 25% of the world's cases. That's us. Worldwide, there have been 100 million cases. 25 million of them are right here. And we represent 20% of the deaths. Countries like Singapore, China, and South Korea have handled it well. Disciplined citizens who believe in science. We entitled citizens have not fared as well. So for prediction seven, miracle, it'll be worse in America than anywhere else. I'll give myself another A. I'm crushing the midterms. Ascending the mensa ladder. Prediction eight, the social safety net will collapse. So, so much for my Mensa talk. 
and my invitation from Stockholm for my Nobel Prize. The safety, the social safety net has decidedly not collapsed. It's been stressed and it's holding a lot of weight, but it hasn't collapsed. When I made that prediction, I had little faith in our government, but the CARES Act worked. Extended unemployment insurance, grants to small businesses, stimulus checks, moratoriums on evictions, forbearances on debt. Many are struggling, of course, but had it not been for the generosity of our leaders spending some of our money on us, the situation would be far more dire. And also churches, nonprofits, truck drivers driving 16-hour stretches, thousands of small acts of simple Good Samaritanism, all of these have eased the burden on the social safety net. I'll take my D and not complain because the safety net did uh, hold me up. I'm not taking an F because there were plenty of things our technologically advanced country could have done better. Prediction nine, the economy will collapse and economic opportunism will flourish. Another shitty grade, the economy has not collapsed. In addition to the CARES Act, there were many state governments that chose the health of their economies over the health of their citizens. Sounds callous, but these governors, they had the choice of a dog shit sandwich or a cat shit sandwich, and they chose to keep things open with toothless mask mandates in place. They rolled the dice with our lives. They chose organic herd immunity. So the economy sputters along. Many Americans are earning far less income, but the economy has not collapsed. Half a million Americans have. The economy only suffered a little malaise. And as for economic opportunism, there's been a little price gouging, you know, and companies defend it by saying there's been interruptions of supply lines or whatever. It's gouging, typical business lies. And considering the magnitude of the fear inspired by the pandemic, I expected far more charlatanism. And I think that's damn disappointing because there are thing, few things more entertaining, more enjoyable as watching a charlatan at work. And all we got was the charlatan of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And as a charlatan, he's a hack. So I take another a, another D for dumbass. And, uh, you know, somebody asked me, what about Walmart, Amazon? You know, talk about opportunism. That wasn't opportunism. Uh, they were going to make that money anyway. Pandemic or no pandemic, they're getting our money. Finally, prediction 10. Globalization will help. And I think I bit off a little more than I could chew here. I left my lane. Uh, it's going to take very sharp investigative minds years to determine if globalization mitigated the catastrophe we're all living in. The catastrophe that's been the historical backdrop of our lives for the past year. What data do you use to make your case and where it can be found? How reliable is it? And China's a big player in this and not another innocent bystander. Any information coming out of China is intrinsically suspect. Never trust a suspect. And the information coming from American politicians, if their words were little brush fires, our countries would be our country would be engulfed in inferno across the fruited plains from coast to coast. And thanks to Fareed Zakaria, uh, he pointed something out to me, this little nugget of enlightenment. Globalization has no executive arm to enforce actions for the global good. We have economic agreements between nations violated on an hourly basis. The World Trade Organization doesn't have teeth for enforcement. Any nation can tell them to piss off with little consequence. 
And like any relationship, relationships between countries only succeed if there's mutual trust between the parties. I mean, my my dogs trust me to feed them and not abuse them, and I trust them not to bite my scrotum off. Uh, We will have a good idea of how much collaboration there has been and how helpful it was one day, and it's not today. So for this last prediction about globalization, I give myself an I for incomplete. Those were the 10 predictions I made on March 22nd, 2020. My GPA for the year, 2.36. Maybe Harvard will accept me on the pity clause. Or just think about it. I'm just a few suicides in a collapsed economy short uh, of getting in. But I'll do better. I'll do better next time. Maybe I'll predict some things from the past. So my work is done here. And of course, at the same pay rate. Thanks for listening to my pontifications in this episode of A Few Things Considered. Uh, I would blend in with the spirit of the time by saying stay safe, but I'm not going to blend. I, I'm not going to emulsify. So stay weird and remember to keep me in your thoughts and on your Christmas list. Until next time, it's Harry and I'm out.